The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. It is 50 years uh, since Ireland was admitted as a member and right now the EU faces, well, unprecedented challenges. Uh, climate change, geopolitical shifts, populism, internal divisions, not to mention the war in Ukraine. But of course, as they say, in every challenge, there is opportunity. And here to talk about what those opportunities might be, the shape and the look of Europe over the next 50 years and Ireland's place in all of it. Barry Andrews, the Fianna Fáil MEP for Dublin and Colin Markey, the Fine Gael MEP for Midlands North West. Gentlemen, you're both very welcome. I know you're joining us from a studio uh, in the European Parliament in Brussels. Uh, Barry, if we're talking about the future of Europe, to what degree are any and all conversations on that front now coloured by what is happening in Ukraine? Yeah, Ukraine has taken over every conversation. Uh, it, we, 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 you know, the first part of my mandate here in the European Parliament was dominated by COVID, and the last year and a bit has been dominated by Ukraine. So yes, it colours every single conversation, and for example, the whole accession process for Ukraine, which uh, has commenced. Uh, that impacts all of the other accession countries. There are quite a number of them, particularly in the Western Balkans. So, uh, and, and you know, if, if Ukraine does become a member of the European Union, the impact that has on things like common agricultural policy, uh, on, you know, the funding of the European Union, on the number of commissioners we have, uh, you know, where, where do they fit in the European Parliament? All of these challenges lie ahead in the future. Um, but we have provided a very clear pathway for uh, Ukrainian accession, and that means all the other countries are going to see this as their opportunity to to come into the European Union. And uh, Colm Mark, I mentioned, is with us as well. Uh, Colm, beyond uh, the accession of, of, of Ukraine as a, as a member state and the implications that has, that there are implications as well when it comes to security and defence and collective agreements on that front in the future now, aren't there? Well, I suppose the reality that there's a war in Ukraine and that's on the doorstep of Europe, that's become a very much a, a topic of conversation. And I suppose for us, I remember someone asked me a week or so ago, was there a bit of, let's say, war fatigue, if you like, in terms of the whole debate? But you talk to someone from Lat- Latvia or Lithuania or Romania or that, that are neighbouring countries to the Eastern Bloc, and it's very much front and central for them. They're They're petrified, to be frank, about the scenario where Russian aggression could could influence them too. And I suppose that, that brings into question, I suppose, Europe's whole position as regards where it stands, how it's going to defend itself into the future. And that's that's probably a debate. In Ireland, we always mm. pride our, our neutrality in, over the years. And I suppose we have to see where, where that goes into the future because I think it's a very delicate situation. You could get yourself sucked into a, a, a bigger picture dispute that you don't want to be part of. But at the same time, the values we believe in, we have to protect too, you know. Uh, Barry, can you imagine a conversation at some point in the future whereby people look back and, and, and they will pinpoint the, Euro, the war in Ukraine as, as the catalyst for much closer integration? Were it not for that, Europe might have gone down a different track. Well, it's an interesting question, Kieran, because there's a difference between, uh, you know, the deepening of the European Union, uh, which is the the integration idea, you know, that we are all closer together as members and more powers are given to the European Union by the member states. That's the kind of integration, the deepening of the European Union, as opposed to the widening of the European Union, which is to expand into new accession countries. 
And there, there's an argument that we shouldn't really go down the road of expanding until we've deepened. And so in Ireland, there's a huge you know, support for membership of the European Union, something in the region of 85 to 90 percent all the time, always top of the league for membership of the European Union. It's a different matter when you go to talk about the integration side of things, uh, how far we can go to deepening EU powers. Can we give more powers from the national parliament to the EU parliament to the EU institutions? So, you know, but, but, but Ukraine does change everything. Uh, having said that, you know, in the last, let's take the last 15 years, you had the financial crisis. That was an existential crisis to the European Union. Mm. Then you had the, the migration crisis generated by Syria. That was an existential crisis. Then you had Brexit. That was existential. Then you had, uh, you know, the pandemic. And now you have Ukraine. So it just goes in cycles. And every time uh, people are saying, well, the future of the European Union is now up for grabs. Which way is it going to go? But it continues to uh, you know, to, to, to broaden, to deepen integration slowly but surely. So each of these crises actually have resulted in more powers for the European Union. And I think Ukraine, I think what we see is the, the cooperation between European countries on security has dramatically changed. That whole debate has completely changed. Every single member state has gone down the road of either expanding their budgets or changing their alliances, uh, strengthening their alliances with other member states. Mm. Um, Ireland is about to have this consultative forum in June where we will examine international security policy uh, and where Ireland, the kind of threats that Ireland now faces and how it might respond to all that. So I think, you know, it's always been the case with Europe. Uh, the, the, the powers expand as the crises uh, go by. But, I, I, you know, I don't buy the idea that's existential for the European Union at all. I think we've survived uh, problems, so many problems in the past. And Colm, as those powers expand, then people would be wondering, it's, it's, it's partly what we're here to talk about, is, is Ireland's role within Europe as it continues to change, as it will inevitably do, you know, all nation states uh, evolve with the times. Um, who are Ireland's natural allies around the negotiating table in Europe? Well, I would imagine if you look to, let's say, other smaller countries in Europe, I think if you look at, let's say, the axis of the big two, Germany and France, we, we always would, would be well regarded with, with them. But I think we also have to look at other, say, Western countries of a similar, we'll say, economic profile as we are and the smaller countries. are. We rely on, as a smaller country, you know, you, you could be, if you don't have allies, you'll be, you'll be outfought. And I suppose there's no doubt that post the UK, the UK probably was a great great ally and uh, an English-speaking country like ourselves was an ally. So we probably are a little bit further. Uh, We've a little bit of of work to, I suppose, in that space going forward. But certainly, I would say we're well got with the main powers in terms of Germany and and France. And I think then to to build strength with other smaller countries of a similar profile, I think that's probably where where we're looking to. And I suppose in other ways, countries of of similar interests, mm. like I suppose if you take the agriculture side, obviously other agricultural countries would have, would have an interest there too. But I think there, there are there are different reasons and different scenarios that probably the smaller countries and probably if you like our like our taxation situation where we probably have benefited from, let's say, the corporation tax. And yeah. I suppose to build allies in that space has, has always been challenging. But I think 
When you look deep enough, you'll see that there's other ways in which other countries have offered tax breaks to, in, also. So I think, like what was done in the last year or so, we'll say by particularly by Pascal Donoghue in relation to negotiations at European level to, lo- to lock down the, the, the move from 125 to 15% in corporation tax uh, and to lock that down long term. I think mm. that, that's, that's been generally recognised as a positive move because it gave us certainty in that space. And we'd, like, when you look at the work he did at that point, we had good allies. I think when you look across Europe, one thing about Ireland is every country, the big countries or small countries, all point to Ireland as an example of a success of Europe. And I think we're lucky in that regard, even yeah. also with the Northern Ireland situation, I suppose, where the peace process has has continued for 25 years to be a success and hopefully will continue into the future. So we had that challenge to deal with. We're, in, we're a small country, we're isolated in terms of being a, not part of the continental Europe, and yet we could succeed so much in Europe. So I think our story in Europe has been a very positive one. OK, we had the challenge in terms of the recession, we'll say, in the last decade. But I think how we've come back from that and how the country has, has rebounded, and economically particularly, a, is a message across Europe. And yeah. I think when you look at what happened with Brexit, and the support Ireland got from all countries across Europe. Like they, they, the solidarity was there. And you, you'd wonder like even a year or two or three years into it that, that maybe people would say it's time to move on to something else. But even if Brexit comes up today, the level of support Ireland has across Europe and the level of respect Ireland has across Europe is, is well recognised. And I think certainly it's important that we continue to have allies. But I think when you look at what happened with Brexit, we're not short of allies when it comes yeah. to a point. Um, uh, uh, Barry, how, like, if we accept your logic that, you know, w- with every crisis, more power uh, has been sent the way of Brussels and we've had closer integration, and we also accept that there, there will always be another crisis. So, so that formula keeps playing out. How do we protect our own national interests in that equation? Yeah, I mean, every every country has key national interests and that's part of the whole, you know, the, the complexion of the European Union. We all accept that, you know, the Greeks are very protective around shipping issues. Um, Ireland has a certain, you know, issue around corporate tax and tax autonomy. Uh, each of the member states can come to the table with particular national interests and there's no problem with having those things. They reconcile perfectly well with being, you know, at the heart of the European project. Um, and generally there are very few votes in the council. They tend to agree to issues by consensus. So, in the, you know, as, as we expand, I mean, if you look at the health, for example, so the pandemic happened and now people are talking about developing a health union in the European Union. And if you think back to the pandemic, a lot of the stuff that was done was done at a European level, whether it was the digital COVID certificate, the dreaded digital COVID certificate we all had to get, uh, the, 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 the procurement of vaccines and their distribution across all of the member states, the approval of vaccine, um, a lot of the, the work on, on, uh, on therapeutics, all of those were done at European level. Um, and I think now there's, a, there's, a, there's an argument, OK, well, right, what, what have we learned from the pandemic? Let's make sure that Europe has those powers clearly. And there may well, this may well result in a referendum in Ireland and expanding the powers of the European Union into this area. And I don't think there's anything mm. Ireland has to fear from that. And in fact, Ireland is the only country in the European Union that has to pass all of these constitutional changes by referendum and has done so. And I think that adds to the legitimacy of the European Union, Kieran, in that each time we take this step, it's not just taken by the government, it's taken by the people. And so I, I think that explains to some extent uh, the high approval rating of the European Union here in Ireland. 
Harry Andrews, Fianna Fáil MEP for Dublin, Colin Markey, Fine Gael MEP for Midlands Northwest. Thank you both very much for joining us from studio in the European Parliament uh, in uh, Brussels. European radios and the future of Europe, big event happening, I know, in Brussels today. So uh, thank you uh, again uh, for joining us. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.